0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Clive Urquhart. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. How many of you love Jesus? How many of you love Jesus in here this morning, in your home where you are? He is so good. Come on, yeah, let's give him a a clap, shout, praise, whatever. Yes, thank you. It's so good to be able to be together this morning. Brilliant, brilliant. If you are in here and you're standing, you can take a seat. Uh, it's so good to see you guys. And uh, I know you've got your kind of mask on here, but it's good to see your eyes anyway. And, uh, you know, eyes say a lot, don't they? When somebody's full of life, your eyes are sparkling. They, your eyes show what's going on on the inside of you. And it's so good to be together. And uh, welcome to everybody in the room. And welcome to everybody at home. We've already kind of welcomed you a bit. This is is so, so good just to be in the room, isn't it? What a sense of excitement from the room there. Isn't it so good to be together this morning? Brilliant. And before we get into the Word uh, today, just want to say a couple of things. Um, Pastor Colin has already uh, done a video tribute Uh, to Benkt Wiedemalm and many of you will know Bengt he's uh, been a great great friend of ours personally as a family with Pastor Corinne and Caroline I know with Jane and I and uh, and our family as well as Kingdom Faith uh, such a great friend for more than 30 years and uh, Bengt a bold man of faith Uh, has helped to plant and establish many many churches and Bible schools all over Europe particularly Eastern Europe over the last 30 years. Uh, He's been a pioneer really of of breakthroughs of of literally some nations particularly in Eastern Europe uh, opening up to the gospel in a completely new way uh, because of the pioneering work that he uh, has done over many decades and for those of you that might have seen that tribute, you're aware of, of uh, what's happening in his life the last couple of weeks. But uh, just over a week ago, uh, he, he's been battling with cancer for a period of time. And during that time, uh, still travelling ministry and seeing amazing things happen. But just over a week ago, he passed away uh, in Sweden, uh, where his, his home is. And uh, we, we just want to honour Bengt and who he's meant to honour. To us, and not just us as a family, but to us as Kingdom Faith, and he's he's preached here many times, been at Faith Camp many times, preached in the Bible School again many times, and and uh, although we miss him uh, as a friend and as a just as a man of God, uh, and we know his family, uh, Vivian, his wife, and their their children and all their grandchildren, obviously just going through. It's time of, of loss and grieving. We've been praying for them. We're in, in communication with them. We want to continue just to support them and pray for them and lift them up in, in prayer over these coming weeks and months as they really just come into a new season uh, without, their, their, without their husband and father and grandfather uh, in, their, in their lives. And we want to pray for them as a family. Uh, we want to pray for all the wider church families, so many leaders, especially the churches that he helped to establish and plant over the last many years, uh, that, that look to him as their spiritual father and apostolic oversight, that obviously are not going to have that in place in the same way. Now, we want to pray for all of those church families as well, that they would go from strength to strength. And as, if we can put it this way, as that, that seed of Bank's life kind of goes into the ground and, and as he's passed away in the natural, um, but from his life, much, much fruit uh, will come in a completely new way in this, uh, in this coming season. So let's just take a moment to pray for them. Father, we, we just thank you for Bank. Firstly, for his friendship, his encouragement, we thank him for that tenacious faith that he had, that he lived with, that he, he lived like a man on a mission. A man that loved you, served you, lived his life centered around you. And the same with his family, with Vivian, the children and the grandchildren. Their lives were given to you as a whole family to serve you and your kingdom purposes. And Father, first we want to thank you for his life and who he meant, who he was, and what he meant to us, his friendship. We thank you for their family. We thank you that you are their stronghold, you're their strong tower, you're their comforter at this time. Father, we just pray that they will know you so tangibly close to you in these days, in these coming weeks, in coming months. Father, we just thank you that you would enable them to grieve, to know that you are right there with them through this whole time. Father, we just pray for all the churches that have been planted and established, that Banked oversaw and those men and women leaders that look to him as their spiritual father and oversight. We just pray for them at this time. Again, that they would know you, tangibly close to them they would know a fresh release of your spirit amongst them and through them in their churches towns and cities and nations and Father we just want to thank you for his life and all that he was and the fruit that came you bore through him for your kingdom purposes so Father we just speak your blessing over his family particularly at this time in your mighty name Amen. Amen. Uh, if you haven't seen that, that video, it's on YouTube. Um, I believe it's on our website as well or on Facebook, King of Faith Facebook page. You can check out what Pastor Colin uh, just says about banked and who he was to all of us. And uh, amazing, amazing man of God. Um, I've been praying into this morning and knowing that it's the first morning where we're going to have people uh, back in the room and on one level I was like Lord what do you want to say first time people are back in the room and and I know many people are still online and any particular word you want to say and and on one level it's a special moment but on another it's like in God's purposes God is, is wanting to encourage us strengthen us in a fresh way. But at the same time, God's like, hey guys, it's time to move forward. It's time to, as you gather together, to encourage one another, strengthen one another, support one another, be there for one another. But I've got a mission for you. I've got lives that I want to work through you to reach. People that need to come to know me. Lives that need healing. And and as we begin to, to meet together over these next few weeks I believe God wants to empower us afresh with his Holy Spirit to ignite in us a fresh passion to want to know him to seek him to go after him in a fresh way like we never have before in our lives but the same way uh, he wants to empower us with his Holy Spirit to release us more and more to our neighbours to our work colleagues to our communities to our friends to our families and part of how God is empowering us, isn't it, is, is uh, for those of you, I know many of you have signed up to the, the Soul Winner Boot Camp on Wednesday night with uh, Pastor Andy Elms and the first one was Wednesday. It was such an encouragement uh, and and that just encouragement and training um, for that and, and obviously this Wednesday going forward for the next four weeks. And, and that's part of God training, equipping and, and empowering us for these uh, these coming weeks and coming months and how God wants us to be just sharing the gospel and sharing the life of who he is uh, in a fresh way. Now, we want to just continue on in, in this overall kind of series that God has got us on, which is called Jesus Said and then different things that Jesus then said. And it's But it's all about the kingdom, God's kingdom life in us and God's kingdom life through us. And this morning we're going to look at, uh, we're going to base this around Matthew 5 verse 5, and that also John 14, 6. Uh, some of you, if you've got a Bible here, grab your Bibles. Uh, the Things will come up on the screen, whether you're in here or, or at home. Um, but I want to start with, with uh, which one should we start with? John 14 or Matthew 5? They're both brilliant. Um, I want us just to start with John 14, verse 6. And the context of this verse that Jesus speaks is He's with the disciples at the Last Supper. And John's Gospel is brilliant because he takes, he takes a third of his, uh, third of his Gospel basically uh, to, in the Last Supper leading up to the, the cross and then the resurrection. And he, he takes quite a few chapters uh, where Jesus is with the disciples in the Passover meal and he's preparing them and speaking to them and giving them some last instructions and getting them ready for what's about to about to take place and the uh, the context is is where he's just told them that somebody's going one of them in the room is about to betray him which was an absolute shock to all of them none of them realized that Judas was about to betray them and and he's he's saying that somebody's about to betray me he then says that Peter, you know, uh, you're going to deny me, mate. And and pretty devastating moment maybe for Peter where he's, he's going to find out. But it's in this context that he begins to speak about preparing a place for them uh, in eternity in heaven. And then Thomas, as we know, the disciple who often came up with a yes, Jesus, yeah, but. And, and he often came up with a, and, and his nickname was Doubting Thomas because he didn't necessarily believe everything that Jesus said. And, uh, But yet Jesus had all these different guys that were with him as disciples investing in them. And in the context where Jesus is saying, uh, you know the way forward, you know the way that I have for you. And Thomas says, but how do we, if you're not going to be with us, how do we know where you are going and what the way is? And then Jesus says this in John 14, verse six. He says, Jesus answered that and he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus makes three very, very powerful statements in this one sentence. He says, firstly, he says four things. First, he says, I am. And that statement, I am, is not just I'm this, I'm that, and I'm the other. In that phrase, I am, it says that I am God. That phrase, I am, that's what it means. I am the I am. I am God. I am the unchanging one. I am the eternal one. I am the everlasting one. That little phrase, I am, in English, just makes it sound like uh, Jesus saying, well, I am the truth. I am the way. But basically he was saying, I am. Now they knew that he was the Messiah at this point because they have been with him for three and a half years. They knew he was the Messiah. So that wasn't revelation or great news to him, to them, but written down for us, that I am means I am God, the eternal one that never changes. And in that, he then says, as the living God, as the one that doesn't change, as the I am, Yesterday, today and forever. Therefore, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And then he makes another huge statement. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now in our our culture, in our society that we live in today, this one Sentence. this one statement of truth by Jesus is a massive statement and it draws a huge line in our culture in the day that we are living in and we'll come back to some of that uh, in a moment. Matthew 7 verse 13 and 14. What else did Jesus say? He's teaching in the context of what we know is the Sermon on the Mount, where there's three chapters in the New Testament in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters five, six and seven, where he's he really unpacking what, it, what the kingdom of God really looks like lived out on earth. And those three chapters are, are, are very, very simple teaching and he's, he's laying some things out. But there's something again powerful that he says that links to what, what is in John 14. He says here, Jesus says, um about the kingdom enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it now we've just read 2 Verses, two huge statements made by Jesus that are so relevant today for Christians, for believers, for the church of Jesus on earth. There is a a battle for truth at this time in our nation. Many people in many different ways are defining truth in the way that they want to define truth in relation to the Bible, many people are wanting to fit the Bible into the culture of the day and into the thinking of the day. Now, that's not new. That's happened in previous generations. It's happened in previous centuries. Um, there's, There's always an attack, if we can use that word, or opposition to the truth of this book of the Bible and what God has put down in black and white for us to show us firstly, who is He? Who is God? To then also show us knowing who He is, what are the ways of God? In showing us who He is and what are the ways of God, He's then also shown us what does He say? And what does it then also mean to know Him? How can you know this living God? that is described here in black and white from Genesis to Revelation in the Bible. How do we know this God? How do we live and walk in relationship to this living God? How do we hear from him? How do we hear his voice? How do we know what he's saying? How do we know where we are in history? It's all written down in this book to know where we are in relation to him at any given point. We also know where are we going from here? What is the end of the story? It's all written in the book, the Bible, the most important book that is on the planet. And there's a challenge in any generation, in any uh, century. And you can look in different times where people are looking to change the Bible or to replace the Bible with something else, whether it's our own truths, our own statements or whatever we want to live by. And God firstly wants himself to be so ingrained in who we are That the fibers of our being are breathing Him in and out. That God is not just a part of our lives somewhere. He's not just an addition to our life somewhere. But God becomes the very fabric and fiber and breath of who we are as believers. That when we surrender our lives to Him and we say, Jesus, I give you all of who I am, all the good, the bad and the ugly, all the stuff that's wrong, all the stuff that needs sorting out, all the things that I need forgiving from, all the things I need healing, all the rest, all the stuff that I need. I, I give you all of that stuff the day that we give our lives to Him. And we surrender everything to Him. And then we say, God, would you give me all of who you are and come and live in me? And would you become Lord of my life, become the number one person, become central to everything so that you become the breath, you become the one that I breathe in and out because you consume me with who you are. How many of you want to live like that? How many you want to live like that? We want to live with Him like every breath that we breathe is not just separated from Him and we ask Him to come into our lives when we need Him to do something or to know the step that we need to take. No, we want Him to be so infused into us and He is once we know Him and we've invited Him into our lives. But we want to walk with Him and breathe Him in and out in that way. And so into that context, our response is, Jesus, I want you to be the way, the truth, the life that I live by. That everything else is filtered through who you are being the way, the truth and the life. Pastor Collins said something quite a while ago. He was teaching, this was probably two or three years ago, if not more ago, he was teaching and um, he, was, he, was te- he was really unpacking the gospel. What is the gospel? And he made this statement that has just resonated with me and I know for many who were in the room at the time. He said, what is happening in our day and in our, our culture, in our society, our modern society? Is that we are trying to make the gospel acceptable to us as people rather than us being made acceptable to God through the gospel. I mean, I what a profound statement. It's a statement of wisdom, if you like. It was one of those, you know, when some somebody comes out with something sometimes, you're like, now that was a God state, that was just a that was a God wisdom thing coming through. And That is part of the challenge in the day that we live in at this time, that there's so much discussion trying to fit the truth of the gospel and the truth of what God says. And we're trying to, when I say we, I'm talking about, let's say include ourselves, everybody, not just the church, but these conversations going on, So often we're trying to fit the truth into what we want, to try and fit it into our culture, into how we want the truth to be. And and we're bending and changing and altering the truth to fit what we want, the narrative that we want it to say. Because the gospel challenges us in our lives, no matter who we are, whether we know Jesus or whether we don't. No matter what we believe, what faith we have, the gospel of Jesus Christ challenges us in terms of our thinking, our desires, our motives, and it challenges this thing called sin that is in people's lives. And when sin is the foundation of our lives, when we don't know God, our lives are are, are built around this thing called sin. And when we don't know God, we don't realize that that is what our life is built around because we are born as people with a sin nature our natural nature is to sin to go against god and that's why jesus came and we know in john 3:16 the bible says for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish But have or receive eternal life. That is God's love being revealed and released to us as mankind, born with this sin nature that separates us from God. And because of that sin nature, no matter what that sin looks like, none of us in our own right and efforts are acceptable to God. But God never wanted it to stay that way. He created man to be in relationship with Him. He gave us free will to choose. And right back in the garden, Adam and Eve, they chose to sin and they separated themselves from God. At that moment, sin nature became the nature of mankind. And that's why God put His plan of salvation in place to restore us To a back to a relationship with Him, but He had to do something with this this sin nature. He had to deal with it so that we could become acceptable to God. Now, what I'm talking about this morning is becoming unacceptable to many many people out there in our society, because the gospel draws a line. And we're living in days, guys, where as the church, we, we with love and with mercy, we can, because God is, sh- we, we, we can't treat anybody else differently to the way we've been treated ourselves. Every one of us that has, knows God, God has shown his mercy to us, and we've responded to that mercy and been forgiven and, and, and made right with him. He's given us new life. We, we still, even though we are, we are, Children of God, on one level, we still in our own natural lives don't deserve Him. But because of the nature of His love, Him forgiving every sin, Cleansing our lives, bringing us and making us acceptable to Him, making us, as we heard last week from Pastor Colin, making us holy in God's sight, in His sight, we become holy. That's crazy, isn't it, in our natural minds. It's like, well, I don't think of myself as holy, but God sees every person that knows Him as holy He looks at your life this morning. If you know Him, if you've responded to His amazing mercy and love and forgiveness, if you've responded to Him and come into that relationship of love, His love is there for every person to respond to. But we only come into that relationship of love when we respond to Him and then we come into that love. We receive that love in our lives and then we become acceptable to Him because of what He has done in us. What amazing love that God has. That love never rejects. That love will always respond when we respond to him. And so Jesus with this amazing love sets out some truth. I am the way. Now that way is a narrow has a narrow gate. He says, Small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. But in that narrow way, that narrow gate is life and life in all its fullness. Because Jesus said that in John 10:10. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life in all its fullness, all its abundance. So that narrow gate, in one sense, may not be that attractive to the natural self because so often we look at Christianity and we can easily say, well, that looks restrictive. That looks like this and that and the other. It looks like I'm going to have to give up this, that and the other. But the Bible says, Jesus says himself, wide is the gate and broad the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. How many of you that have surrendered your life to Jesus would ever want to go back to what you had before? I've I've not met someone that has genuinely encountered Jesus, knows they've been forgiven, healed in whatever way. I haven't met a Christian yet that said, yeah, I want to go back to the life I had before. Yeah, uh, I'd rather have that. I mean, people are like, there's no way, no way I want to go back to that. No chance, because they know what God has done in their lives. Let's just have a look at this this verse, because I want to focus on this. This is really, really important going forward, I believe, for, for us as believers. This is Matthew 5, verse 5. This is in the context of the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew chapters 5, 6 and 7 that I mentioned earlier. And Jesus in the first few verses makes a whole number of statements uh, where he he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, Blessed are those who mourn or grieve, for they will be comforted. And then it comes into this verse. And what Jesus is talking about there, he's talking about the kingdom of God in these verses. He's talking about how the kingdom works and who the kingdom is available for. And the kingdom of God is available for anyone, anyone who responds to the gospel of the kingdom. Then look what he says here. He says in Matthew 5, verse 5, this is really important. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, in our English translations, uh, meekness or meek generally is seen as weakness. Uh, meek is weak uh, in that way. Um, but meek here in the Bible does not mean meek is weak. It actually means the complete opposite to what the word in the English tends to be translated as, or if, if you look in the, the dictionary. Let me just read a couple of things that I've written down here so I don't sort of garble my way through what meekness is or means. It says here, meek is not about outward behaviour only, because meekness is obviously expressed in some way. It has to be, okay, but it's not about some weak outward behaviour. Meekness, or being meek, is an inner working Of God's grace in a believer's life, firstly, that they have a meekness towards God, a humility towards God. It's an attitude of spirit by which we allow God's dealings in us and see his dealings as good. And that we don't dispute or resist what God is doing in us. Okay, This is the first part of being meek. There's, there's a humility, a humbling that is part of meekness. But there's more to being a meekness than, than this. Okay. Um, meekness is basically strength under control. If we can put it that way. Jesus is described as meek. He had the fullness of God in him, the fullness of God's life and power in the same way that you and I do as believers. But yet that life and power needed to be expressed in the way that the God the Father, by the Holy Spirit in Jesus, wanted to express the life and and the nature and the character of who God was through Him to people. And so, meekness is demonstrating God's power without any harshness, without any side to it. Meekness is God's power being expressed through love. Now, maybe that doesn't correlate with what we think God's meekness is. Listen to this as well. What else does being meek mean? It doesn't mean weak, okay? It doesn't mean people walk all over you. That's not what the word meek means. And this will make sense in a moment. It's like, Clive, where are you going with this morning's message? There's a righteous anger to to meekness and righteous anger doesn't get angry without reason. There's a righteous anger that rises up at the right time in the right measure for the right reasons. So some people say, well, if somebody's meek, they never never really express anything. They're just meek and they're they're weak-willed and they're, they're just mild and timid and all of that. But yet there's a meekness biblically that has the strength of God's might and power that is expressed through his righteousness and justice with a heart of love. What did Jesus say about himself? He said, I have not come to condemn the world, but I've come to save the world. Jesus described as meek. He didn't come to condemn, put down. He said, I've come to save. I've come to reach the world. Now there are challenges at this time to the truth. There are challenges to the Bible. And and I just want to be Careful here with how I say what I'm going to say now for the next couple of minutes. the The last year or so has been incredibly challenging for every every everybody uh, in the nation and other nations, and is still a huge challenge, particularly in certain nations like India, uh, where we want to continue to pray for for India and the nation of India and other nations where coronavirus is having a huge effect and it's a lot of tragedy has happened in the last few years, uh, the last few months, the last year or so. And, and we know that quite a number of people in the church have lost family members. It's been so challenging uh, in, in our lives <clears throat> and there's still challenges ahead. In different ways. It's very easy, it's been easy over the last 12 months to be quite consumed with a lot of what has been said about the virus in different ways. And there's so many different opinions out there um, about this thing. There's been so many things said about vaccines and whether you should or shouldn't have them. Uh, and there's been so many different, whatever you want to call them, conspiracy theories, there's all kinds of things. And even the medical world doesn't necessarily agree on everything to do his thing. And and it's been difficult to know, well, what, what, where do I stand on this? And, and what, what should I do? And how should I respond and everything? And, as a church, we've we've sought to try and give you uh, some information that that helps you to come to some decisions in your own heart and life. To pray, to make a decision whether you whether you're vaccinated or not. That's a decision that you you make in your own life according to um, what you've read. But we've tried to give you some correct information, if you like, that, that can help you then decide what you do and. And it has been a challenge in all of our lives personally. It's been a challenge as a church how we've had to go about being the church. We haven't been able to meet on a Sunday. Everything's been online and we've had to do things in so many different ways and everybody's had to adjust and we've all had to kind of, wow, this is different and this is new and haven't had to do things like this before and, and everything else. And and we've, a lot of us have had to learn new ways of doing things, which a lot of us would say, actually, that's been really good for me. It's been really good for us as a household or a family. We've, you know, maybe without some of these challenges or, or we can't just go to church on a Sunday or whatever, we've had to do things in different ways. And, and, and all of that, and, and sometimes in the face of challenge, good things can come out of, of things that we, we don't necessarily like or we found challenging. And having said all that, the, what's been taking place, yes, it's been challenging in terms of how we live. It's been challenging in terms of meeting with and, running and being together in that sense. But it hasn't been a direct challenge to our Christianity. It hasn't been a challenge that says you're not allowed to believe this anymore. You're not allowed to do that anymore. Uh, you can't believe, and all of that. Okay, we might not be able to meet on a Sunday. That doesn't mean we haven't had Sunday. We've had that online, we've worshipped, we have the word and all of that stuff. But there are some other things taking place that I believe are far more challenging, if you can put it this way, to Christianity and to the gospel going forward than the challenges that we've we've faced in the last 14, 15 months in terms of our Christian faith. And there are conversations going on at this time within government, and there are groups of people challenging, bringing challenge to the government that want certain laws to be passed that would restrict the preaching of the gospel that it would become uh, illegal to teach biblical uh, sexuality, if we can put it that way, from a biblical point of view, that that would become illegal to preach that by a pastor or somebody in a church. Um, And there's more behind what's being proposed And without going into... Because I don't want to be contentious this morning, okay? Because God loves people, okay? And what I'm talking about for this last couple of minutes is not about people, okay? This is about a battle that is going on between the kingdom of light and the dominion of darkness. It's a challenge and a battle going on for the truth of who God is and what his word says. And as believers as Christians we need to be more concerned and focused in prayer and some other things uh, about that than we do as to whether we have a vaccine or not now Again, I just want to, I, I, I prayed before today, saying, Father, I just want to share this stuff in love, okay? We, going forward as, as the church, not just our own, but the church and as believers, if we are falling out over whether we should be vaccinated or not, or if someone has had a vaccine and someone hasn't, and suddenly the person who hasn't is treated like they're, well, you know, you're not doing it. Man, if we're falling out over that, as there is an increasing challenge, there is a direct challenge towards the gospel and what we can or what we're told we can or cannot think and believe or even teach any longer, If we're falling out over some other things that really we shouldn't be falling out over, come on. We've got to be more mature than that as the believers. If we're falling out over whether you should be vaccinated or not, we are not going to stand in the face of real opposition that says you can't preach the gospel any longer. And the fundamental issue in what is going on underneath what is being presented. We just need to go underneath what's being presented to the government and go a bit more because what's, what is, is this word repentance? And what is being proposed is that to say that somebody needs to repent, they're proposing that that should become, it should be illegal for, so, to, for that to be part of the gospel going forward, that you can't tell somebody they need to repent of their sin or that you categorise things as sin, that you can't tell people that there might be something wrong with their life in some way. And it's not just relating to one area that some of you will be aware of. It relates to lots of different things. And that is what we want to be praying into and focusing on. Not the negative, right, in that sense, because we're not here to focus on the negative. We want to focus on who Jesus is, what the gospel is, and what he wants to do in people's lives and the transformation that takes place but we need to be praying into that kind of stuff and not concentrating on some of the other stuff in the way that we have I know there are some questions around things to do with the virus and the vaccines and everything else still you know and and we just need to continue to pray for God's wisdom going forward but in terms of Christianity and the gospel. We want to be united around the truth because what is the enemy's plan and tactic? To steal, kill and destroy. The enemy is out to divide. He wants to divide believers. He wants to divide the church. And if he can do that using a pandemic or using a, uh, you know should you be or shouldn't be back if he can do it on that what happens when we really get attacked in terms of the gospel yeah. so we want to We want to be this is why Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life I just want to read one last thing before we pray this morning Acts 2 42 and 47 to 47 it's a few verses but I just want to read okay This is is what the Holy Spirit produced in the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God, to the fellowship, to the sharing of life, to the breaking of bread, the power of the cross and to prayer, relationship with God and knowing their life was dependent on God. They prayed because they knew prayer changes things and a dependency on who God is. Everyone was filled with awe, with reverence of who God is. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers, listen to this, were together and had everything in common. They were one heart, one mind. They were sharing life, sharing whatever was needed, even to the point where they some sold property and possessions and gave to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, that gathering together together. They broke bread in their homes. I know a lot of you guys have been doing that a lot more in the last year, because we haven't been able to break bread together on a Sunday necessarily, but in our homes. And I believe God wants us to can just, can de- develop that more and more and more. Just as we begin to gather on Sundays in these coming weeks and months, don't don't begin to leave behind some of the things that God has been doing in you, in your home and family and household, things that you've been coming into more and more. Continue to do that. Pray, worship, break bread, pray in your homes going forward. As, as we increasing, we having friends around as things open up more in these coming weeks and months. As we, you know, let's, let's have communion together when you have people around. Hey, pray for one another, break bread together. Let's develop that and let that become part of the, the, the lifestyle that we, we have as, as the church. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And this was the result praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the life of the Spirit, isn't it, Uh, in the church? And that's what God is doing in us. That's what he's developing in us. And there's this oneness, this one heart, one mind together as the people of God. So let's just take a moment to pray, shall we? And um, Thank you, Lord. Father, we just... Thank you that you know exactly how to minister into our lives and hearts. Father, over this last 15 months or so and the challenge that every one of us have been through and in different ways we've been through things in this last period of time. Father, we know that in the midst of that, you have done amazing things in our lives. You've comforted us. You've healed us. You've been right in the middle of challenging moments with us. We thank you that all that you have been doing. We thank you that you continue to minister to us where there are still challenges going on, whether it's some of mental health challenges that are still just going on in our lives. Thank you that you, you come and you minister into our hearts and lives. Father, we know that as we in these next few weeks and months come through this and, and after June 21st, as we are aware at the moment, there's no restrictions and everything else. We know it might take a period of time just to get used to things. And, and Father, where where there is anything in us where we might have retreated back or we found it difficult, we don't even realise yet. Thank you that you are going to be there right in the midst of our hearts and lives to bring us through Father, we just surrender our hearts and lives afresh to you, to you being the way, the truth and the life. And Father, we know that your word says that to walk with you is a narrow way, but yet it is life and life in all its fullness. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that this word meek doesn't mean weak. It means strength under control. It's your life strength, nature and character in us. But controlled by you in us, your Holy Spirit. So maybe wherever you are, whether you're in the room here this morning or you're at home, maybe just talk to the Lord for a moment and say, Father, I want you to develop this characteristic of you, of meekness in my heart and life in a fresh way, that your strength, your life, your power would be expressed through love in my life in a new and fresh way. That I wouldn't get on my soapbox and get angry about stuff and just vent off towards others or about everything going on. Father, I want that meekness, that grace expressed through your love. Father, where there's been any cynicism in my own heart or life, maybe we just pray this for a moment, where we've become cynical in any way, maybe cynical about the government or about authority or about what's going on. It's easy to become cynical in this last period of time as to who's right, who's wrong, what's the truth, what isn't the truth, what's really going on out there, who do we trust, who don't we trust and it's quite easy to become cynical, mistrusting or distrusting of authority and, and, and all of that and when we become cynical we end up beginning to focus on the negative rather than the positive. We, we focus on the gossip and we focus on all the stuff that's going around rather than focusing well, what is God saying in all of this? What does the truth say? Who is God in the midst of this? And we don't want cynicism to have captured our heart in any way, shape or form. Even maybe... When statements have been made by, you know, we're expecting a fresh release of the Holy Spirit. Maybe if there's been a response in any of our hearts, says, yeah, well, I believe that when I see it. I've heard that before. That, there's an element of cynicism there. And if there's anything like that in our hearts this morning, let's just surrender that to the Lord, ask him to forgive and say, Father, I don't want to have any cynicism in my heart and life in any way at all. Cynicism filters what God is saying. And we don't want to be like that at all. So Father, I thank you that you work and move in every one of our hearts and lives by your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, right now for that fresh release of who you are in us and amongst us going forward. You grace us to live by your truth And your life and by your way, with a heart of meekness, your power under the control of your Holy Spirit through us. And I thank you, Father, for anybody in the room today or connecting in online that doesn't know you. I thank you that you reveal who you are into their hearts and lives this morning. So we give you glory, we give you praise in your mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.